Welcome to the Pivot Podcast. Join us each week as we bring you something new. Interviews with experts and inspiring guests and panel discussions where we'll bring in diverse perspectives about trending business topics. Whether you're seeking inspiration or a way to reframe your future, we're glad you're joining us for this week's episode of Pivot. Welcome to the Pivot Podcast. My name is Alexandra Balistrieri, and I'm here with my Pivot Discovery co-founder and Pivot co-host, Kimberly Tilly. StrengthsFinder is an assessment based on a 40-year study created by Gallup, and it's a common language of 34 talents in humans organized in four domains, which are executing, relationship building, influencing, and strategic thinking. If you're new to StrengthsFinder, we encourage you to listen to our season two kickoff episode where we give an overview about why StrengthsFinder is such a powerful tool for personal and professional development. Today's strength is empathy in the relationship building domain. Strengths in the relationship building domain are always seeking to build connections with other people. This is an externally facing strength and empathy ranks number nine in the world's population. People with empathy are in tune with others' emotions. They give people the freedom to laugh, cry, vent, and feel what's happening. We'll talk a little bit more about these qualities in a few minutes, but the important thing to understand is the same strength can be used very differently from one person to the next, and this can be influenced by their other strengths, their values, the environment, and so much more. Great. And today we brought together a panel, all of whom have this strength in their top five, to talk about how they use this strength in their lives. So starting with Roy, could you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are? Roy Yu, live in the Bay Area on the peninsula, um, and I'm a strategy and design lead for a biotech company in, in the Bay. And, you know, I, I've I've always been in the medical space somehow, whether it be on the actual clinical side with, with customers and, and patients. But, um, you know, I've, I've made the move over to, to biotech about 10 years ago. Really find that enjoyable and, and really fulfilling. Also found that empathy within, um, you know, people management and, and having teams has been, has been a really useful strength to have, right? Uh, being able to to identify with others and, and really understand what, what my team and others are going through. Thank you so much. And Sheila, could you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are? My name is Sheila Chobot and I live in uh, the San Francisco Bay area on the East Bay side. I have been in the pharmaceutical industry now for over 15 years and currently work for a smaller biotech company actually based in the Boston area. And I went to medical school and I am a psychiatrist by training. And I've been in the medical affairs department most of my life other than a few years in training and development but have really used the strength of empathy uh, in my clinical work as a psychiatrist with patients, in my education work, teaching medical students, medical psychology, and then using it in in, uh, the industry, uh, working with teams and leading people and 
And then of course, using it uh, with uh, all, all day and every day, uh, interacting with friends and family. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And Sabrina, could you introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are? Of course. My name is Sabrina Simonton. I was born and raised in Northern California and have been in San Francisco since 2006. I came here to go to San Francisco State University. I graduated with a degree in liberal studies. From there, it was not the best timing and the recession made looking for a job a little bit harder than I was anticipating. I wound up in the retail sales sphere I worked at a couple Bay Area-based companies, including Apple. I worked at the flagship store in San Francisco Union Square for about five years. And from there, I was really excited to move into the corporate world. That was an interesting experience. And long story short, after a couple journeys down some different career paths, I found myself back in retail sales doing customer service. For my day job, my real passion is as a musician. I play in a band. I also have a solo project of my own original songs. That's kind of my main story. I'm very much in the process of figuring out my career, but part of that has been kind of to realize and embrace empathy as one of my strengths because it's been something traditionally that I've had trouble with. And so it's been really helpful to go through the process of the UMAP and just kind of see it really all laid out for me and understand how it can work for me in my career. What kind of music do you play, Sabrina? I'm in a rock band. It's uh, just kind of heavy atmospheric rock music. Uh, there's five of us. It's, it's, a, it's a very big sound. Uh, we like to rock out. We're called Treasure with a V. So you can find it if you, if, if you want to check it out. We're out there on the internet. So it takes up a lot of my time. I'm the social media manager. Obviously, it doesn't pay me much, but it takes up a good deal of my free time. And it's something I really enjoy. But I've been learning as I go how how to best work a social media account and, you know, gain followers and, and do all the things you have to do to gain traction on the internet and build an audience that way. Well, we can put a link to your website in the show notes so that our guests can find it. Great. Alexandra, could you tell us a little bit more about the empathy strength? Sure thing. People gravitate toward empathizers because they tend to take on other people's pain almost instinctively to feel what other people feel. So they just naturally kind of pick up on the pain of others or even like the joy of others, even if they're not really saying it out loud. Empathizers customize their approach to fit the other person. So let me ask our guests, and um, Sabrina, we can begin with you. How does that description that Alexandra read resonate with you? And, and when do you notice that you're using this strength? I definitely notice this a lot in my day-to-day job, working in customer service. I deal with the general public, and it's, it's definitely a service-based uh, industry that I work in. I work in the motorcycle industry, um, so it's a lot of big-ticket items, similarly to when I was working at Apple. It's a lot of big-ticket items, um, a lot of people there to spend thousands of dollars. And so a big piece of... The empathy part for me is honestly just uh, meeting people where they're at because people come from so many different walks of life through the front doors of the store. And it's really up to me to give them 
the service that they are looking for. And so it, it really is a matter of kind of absorbing what energy they put out when they walk in and just and internalizing it so that you can reflect that back and kind of give them what they're looking for. And whether it be someone who is on a budget or someone who wants to splurge, you, you know, you have to tune into those, those subtleties of, of what people are looking for. And I found that being an empathetic person by nature has just enabled me to really just kind of hone in on where people are automatically. And it makes me a really successful salesperson because people feel like I understand what they want and I understand uh, what they need and what they're looking for. So um, it's, it's, it's something that comes naturally to me. I have had to learn to hone it in the context of sales because sales is obviously a goal oriented role. And so I, I can't always empathize 100% with the customer because there's also ethical needs that have to be taken into consideration. I can't sell someone a helmet for race car driving because it's a motorcycle helmet, for example. The point being that it really does help me meet that customer where they're at and, and give them that sense that I'm there on their level. I mean, as a musician, it's a whole other conversation about actually making contact with people on a personal level through the artistic expression of music. We can maybe dive into that later, but it really is a skill that just kind of is inevitable in all realms of my life. It comes out. And so learning to leverage it for my benefit and for the benefit of those around me is it has been such a crucial learning experience for me because if, if I don't leverage my empathy skillfully then it, it can trip me up. Oh, wow you're using it in some really diverse ways from selling motorcycles all the way to music and and how you connect with people in that way. Sheila, I'm thinking that for you, you're probably using the strength very differently, but I'm curious how the description that Alexandra read resonates with you and when you notice that you're using your empathy. You know, it sounds sounded very familiar. And actually, I think empathy, you can describe it in a, in a, a few ways, but, but I do like the description a lot that Alexandra uh, read to us. As I said, I'm a psychiatrist by training. So the fact that I needed when I was in the clinic, working with patients or clients, using empathy was a very, very important tool. Using the, the skill of active listening, listening to the patient and understanding where they're coming from and what they're saying and, and also hearing what they're not saying is was very important. And I, I have adapted that skill to any other situation in my life when I'm not uh, with patients. And I haven't really treated patients now for over 15 years, but there are so many other situations in our daily lives that empathy is really important. So when you're listening to a friend or a uh, or a loved one, and not reacting from your own react where what you are reacting to, but really listening to 
to what they're saying and trying to, I, I really liked what Su- Sabrina was saying is meeting them where they're coming from and, and understanding where they're at and not where I am at. And it's a really difficult skill to use sometimes when you're in the moment, especially when you're in, in a family situation. I currently am taking care of my 87 year old mother and um, she's healthy. She's fine. It's just, she need you know, she needs some um, help and everything. And it's, and I, I've realized that it's really hard to practice empathy sometimes. And, and I've been really working very hard to really put myself into her shoes. And sometimes it's actually kind of painful. And this is, this is something that I was reminded of is empathy is very important, but there is a, a fine line of, of, of how much you can actually take on from the other person, because as a psychiatrist working with clients and also working, you know, being with loved ones, there's, there's just, there's a a fine line on how, how deep you can get involved. So I do think there's a, a side of having strong empathy. The other side is to not get extremely involved and to kind of protect yourself. Also, what uh, Sabrina said resonated really well, uh, really strongly with me is using it, for example, in sales. So I, uh, in training and development uh, or learning and development, we actually created a whole emotional intelligence curriculum. And one of the, the most important building blocks of, of that curriculum is to train the sales force on empathy. So th- these are salespeople working with clients and using the skill of empathy was extremely important. And the end result of elevating the importance of empathy was that it became the norm. It became the norm of how you interact with your clients. May that be a healthcare provider or a patient or a caregiver. And we meet patients, caregivers, and healthcare providers that treat or manage very ill patients sometimes. And and really understanding where each of them are and and meeting again using that same uh, expression of meeting them where they're at and and really figuring out what you need to do to be able to reflect back on their feelings and emotions and showing them that you are actually listening and understanding what they're saying and where they're coming from is very important one thing that really stands out to me about what you were saying, Chila, is how it's not about where you are or your opinion of what someone is sharing with you. You really try to just reserve judgment and, and just listen, which is one of those things that I think only somebody who has quite a bit of empathy is capable of. And that is why it's such a universally beloved skill and people gravitate towards people with empathy. Roy, what do you, what is your experience? Because I'm I'm guessing your experience has been different from both Sabrina and Sheila. What about the description resonated with you? And when do you notice that you're using empathy? So it's funny. Something Sheila said did strike me. It's it's the active listening piece. Because when you are exercising a lot of empathy, I mean you really are customizing the approach, right? And and you're making it fit for 
fit for purpose of either the group or the team, the person to whom you're speaking. It's funny hearing the the stories before this with everybody. I was thinking, huh, there's, there's times with my team when we're in one-on-ones or even team meetings where I felt really, really energized, right? Because uh, we could we could talk about things going on in our lives, and the reason it was energizing is because I could customize how to speak to the team, or you know, my team, or or how to how to speak to the person on my team in a in a one on one. And when it was really really fun, and we were talking about things that I think in general, people would would accept it to be positive or fun, you know, talking about vacation or, or something funny that happened, I felt energized. And then what I also did notice was the the converse, I could think about times wherein being in pretty tough one on ones or, or just getting a call from someone on my team, that they had a family emergency, or there's like a medical situation, like, I can distinctly remember, like, I feel exhausted, there's things that resonate there within within the description of, of being able to take on the, the feelings of others. So even recently, I do remember someone who used to be on my team calling me and telling me about this pretty rough situation in the family. And, and I remember after talking on the phone, it was pretty exhausting. I had to kind of peel that back and, and just really think about how much pain he was going through. That was tough on me too. It's, it's like, even though it's not me, I guess it's it's taking on that sense of what must that person be feeling. I do very much understand that when when you're being really empathetic, you essentially do take on the the emotion, the feeling, the almost even the thought process and the, and the mentality of the person almost. I mean, from our perspective of course, like we're we're imagining what it's like to be in that person's shoes. But I will say, you know, at at times especially when it's negative, you know, I, I personally can, can attest to the fact that I can dial it up too much. And, and I don't know if, if a person is going through something as painful as I'm, I'm imagining it to be. But I think that's what I gathered here from just hearing these stories. I, I've never thought about it, but it's pretty apparent that that's when you know you're, you're for sure exercising it. It's like, you know, you haven't done much other than listen and obviously actively and, and you feel for whatever he or she is going through, or you're, you're celebrating with him or her, but like you're happy with them, or you are also equally affected uh, negatively almost if, if they're going through something rough. When people are feeling really glad or pleased about something, do you also feel that with them? A couple months ago, somebody from one of my former teams pings me and, and says like, oh, another person from one of my other teams and the, the two of them just got engaged. I, and I remember like going into my next meeting, just being really, really happy and, and thinking like, wow, they, I've been both part of both of their lives. And it's ex- it was exciting for me. It's hard to explain why, right? Like I'm not, I'm not directly involved in that and I have nothing to do with it. But I think uh, there were a couple reasons. One, you imagine what what it's like, how they both must feel, one, to, to share that news with others, to be in that position also. And then, you know, it, it did also make me think back to like, like when I was in that position. I think what I'm saying is it's equal, right? Both positive and negative experiences do come up depending on what the other person or, or what your team is sharing with you. That's so funny because I was just thinking about, um, so yesterday I got a, an announcement of two of my friends getting married. They eloped while we're in middle of the pandemic, right? So they can't have a 
wedding. And I was just looking at their picture and I kind of just sat there for a few minutes and really imagine or put myself into their, into their happiness. And it just felt so good. It was very pure and very, that I think that was like a very good example, just as you said, of, of feeling with empathy, the, the joy and happiness and contentment that someone else or two other people or however many people feel. So yeah, I think you can definitely have empathy and use the skill of empathy in both positive and in, of course, less positive situations. People definitely use the strength differently, but we do see some common themes. You're really able to easily absorb another person's energy, tuning into their subtleties, having an appropriate reaction. When people are talking to you, you can react back appropriately to them or speak to your team appropriately. And one thing that I heard loud and clear is kind of what Kimberly was saying earlier is you all seem very understanding and you have the ability to just simply put yourself in other people's shoes and it's very genuine. So Chilla, how has the empathy strength benefited you either personally or professionally? Well, thanks for the question. Actually, professionally, I just moved to a new organization. I I came in about five months ago. Coming into a new organization, you have to get to know the people. And this is in a virtual world is much more difficult. I know my team, I feel like fairly well now, but then there are all the cross-functional colleagues that I've, you know, meet at, at, at meetings virtually, but I don't have like good opportunity to have them get to know me better. They, they may see my face on, on WebEx, but otherwise, and hear my voice, but otherwise, otherwise uh, they don't get to know me really. And so, so after four months or so, I was tasked to not do a reorg, not in the sense where their positions are changing, but, but really figuring out the framework of the, the team and of the, the wider team within medical affairs, which will require a shift in thinking. And what I've realized, what has been extremely helpful is this skill of empathy. I am not just like running around and trying to, you know, push things through and change things and think that my way is the highway and and uh, whatever, but but putting myself into the shoes of those that are affected, not affected again from their job security, but affected from their responsibilities and and just emotionally as as change affects everyone. And then also the the discussions I'm having, I'm able to use empathy and I feel like the people who, again, still don't know me very well, see that very positively and react to it very positively. They trust that the change will be good in the long run, even, even though in the short term, it seems a little bit risky from, from their perspective. And, and then they feel that they're being understood. And I think that's really important in, in especially a big corporate world where you don't always feel like you're being understood. And, and that, that for me is really important that people at least feel that they're being understood, even though the change is still happening. Another professional uh, example that came to my mind was a few years ago, I had a manager that 
for some reason we couldn't click and I was always angry. I was, I was really angry with the way she was doing things and, and reacting to things. And what really helped me kind of shift the framework in my mind is practicing empathy. So really thinking through what she may be going through and what her reactions are about and why she's doing things the way she's doing it. And it didn't change her, obviously. Um, she, she was who she was, but it really helped me internal emotional turmoil, put things into perspective and have that empathy and at least calm me down, which was, which was great. It was, it was something that to me really get through those trying years because they were not easy. If I could jump in, I had thought of the word trust just before you had said it. <laughs> it it's interesting it, professionally, like being, being an empathetic person and working with other people who who show empathy, it really does establish that that foundation of trust, whether it be professional or, or personal, I, you're dead on with that, right? Like your team is going to trust you because, because you are working hard in order to understand how they're feeling, what they're thinking, and vice versa, right? Others who are working to understand you and learn how you're feeling or share in, in things with you, you, you too are are feeling that very, very trusting of, of that person. I've had that with, I, I can use a previous manager or, or, or my current manager. I think it's really easy to share at work personal stuff with my manager, because in my opinion, it all blends in together. I mean, it's hard to keep those two separated. So being able to trust your manager. And, and for me, that's been a, probably of paramount importance. I think trust is really what, what empathy helps to build. Yeah, Roy, I completely agree. I I also think that I'm going to speak for myself. So with strong empathy, it's really hard to navigate a system where there is no empathy. I have yep. trouble, I have a lot of trouble with people who don't have empathy because I automatically go use my empathy skill. And, and not even in an organization, actually, I've realized this in my personal life. So here comes the personal life part where, where I have a lot of empathy towards certain individuals in my family and amongst my friends, but they don't. And it's really painful. It's like, like, I, I also want to be understood. I also want to, that person who I'm really empathetic towards, let's say he, uh, he or she is ill and I'm really empathetic that, wow, he's, let's say he's young and he's ill. And I, I, I feel very deep empathy towards him, but I don't feel the same thing towards myself. And, and I become rattled by that because I also feel like it would be nice to feel that someone um, has empathy towards me, that person. Yeah, totally agree. Totally what you guys are discussing just now uh, resonates with me in my personal life because I have had dynamics with, you know, people in close relationships in the past where it's like you said, Sheila, it's, it's painful. Like it is physically painful when I have put myself in another person's shoes and I feel like I completely understand why they feel the way they do about the situation And then 
they can't offer me the same courtesy. And it almost feels, it makes me feel indignant is kind of the word that that comes to mind because I feel almost cheated out of something that I put out there into the universe. I mean, if you want to take kind of like a karmic look at, at the world, you, you want to get back what you put out. And when you don't, it, it is hard. And, and I have had moments where I don't feel heard and I don't feel understood. And I feel like the world's crashing down around me because that is the only thing I want in that moment is to have that empathy reciprocated and have that it's almost kind of like a nurturing energy that comes along with an empathic response to someone where you say, I know, I understand, I've been there. And, and to not have that when, when that's what you've been giving is incredibly difficult. And, and I struggle with that in my personal life because I am way more empathetic than most people that I know and most people that I am close to. And, and I have to realize that what comes so naturally to me is, is not, not always necessarily another person's first impulse. And I think the challenge in that is to not take it personally and not make it about me. And that's hard. But I find that to be difficult. But Thank you, Sabrina, for saying that. Wow, you just validated everything I'm feeling. Or right, good. So yeah, it's um, and it and it took me a very long time to figure out that not to take it personally. So yes, our strength is empathy, but what percent of the population has high empathy? But I I don't think it's that common. It's an interesting strength to have. It's very very useful and very rewarding to have a strong empathy, but it can also cause these type of, I don't want to call it suffering, but, <laughs> but just these, these emotional roller coasters that we both, all three of us described here. I think that's right on because there are people in the population who have empathy, but if it, depending on, on the role that that strength plays in their life, it might just be a way that they relate to people rather than so much of their being. I'm going to turn things a little bit and ask something else. So in coaching, we talk about underused and overused skills. And when it's underused, you you might have the ability to be, in this case, empathetic, but you don't give yourself time or space to do that. But when it's overused, it might be to the point where it's not even beneficial any longer. People with a lot of empathy who are overusing it might seem over-involved or moody or subject to the whims or or the way that other people are are sharing their problems. Roy, have you ever found that you needed to manage your empathy strength, kind of based off what Kimberly was just talking about in terms of overused and underused strengths? Yeah, it's pretty funny. So so when we were talking about the previous question or thinking it through, like I, I did wonder... There's definitely times that I could think about where, where I've had to, to dial it down. Best example I can use here is actually, th- this happens pretty frequently with, with my wife. If I think she's in pain or, or, or like in distress or something, I will, you know, just go overboard in, in trying to stop it. Totally could be in my head. It's, it's hard to control that. So, so she's certainly given me that feedback. 
pretty regular and constant <laughs> that I'm coming in too hot with that. It, it's really easy to take part in other people's joy. It's really tough for me personally to watch other people in pain. So whenever I'm hearing something or sensing something sad, it's tough because I'm not able to do this, you know, 100% of the time, but I am actively trying to remember, like, I, I need to need to do my best to control it and, and dial it down and not, not go in trying to solve all of it as if it needs to be solved, if that makes sense. Definitely it does. Sabrina, I'm curious how this works for you. Have you ever found the need to manage that strength, either using it more or using it less? I never have a problem not using empathy enough. That is never a problem for me. I always overuse it. There's a couple of stories that are quick that I can tell. I kind of find useful to exemplify this cer the certain situations that I find myself in when empathy as my strength kind of comes out in a way that is, is not useful to me. And um, one is from my time working in sales at the Apple store. And at the beginning of every day, we start the day with a team meeting, you know, whoever's going to be on the sales floor that day, we get together, we talk about what the priorities for the day are. Part of that was the, the culture piece of working at Apple. Apple's really big on culture. If, if there was like a cool new Apple commercial that was out, we would watch it, you know, before we hit the sales floor. And Apple commercials are, are pretty cool. They're often very fun and colorful, and, and that was always okay. But some Apple commercials really tug at your heartstrings, and they're very, they're very heartfelt. And ar around Christmas time is kind of when these uh, Apple commercials come out. And, and the, the holiday marketing is it's supposed to really appeal to your personal side. And I would find myself at these team meetings watching these 30-second commercials. Tears stream down my face, and I can't help myself. I feel so moved by and, – and the frustrating thing is that, is that I can even know that it's a commercial, and I can even work for the company and sell the product that the commercial is marketing and understand that it's, that it's all about generating interest in the product. You know, I understand the bottom line and that it's not really about, you know, taking videos of grandma at Christmas, but the commercial itself, it just tells the story in a way that, that reminds me of things that I've been through. And so I find myself so emotionally moved that I, I'm crying in this completely inappropriate situation. So that's one example. Another short example for my personal life is I have a really hard time watching television because I get really emotionally involved, television and movies. I get really emotionally involved in what's going on and especially dramas. I get stressed out. I get sad. I cry. I cry at every Pixar film ever made. And as a result, I find watching television and movies to be kind of an exhausting experience. And as a result, it's not something I really choose to do with my free time. And it's something I kind of miss out on societally. You know, I kind of miss out on, on what everybody else has seen and what everybody else kind of enjoys doing together. And, you know, I live with my boyfriend and he wants to, you know, snuggle up and watch Netflix. And I am really not interested because the, the storylines and 
the the storytelling is is moving enough to to really strike that that empathy cord in me and make me become so involved that it's not relaxing and I don't necessarily want to exhaust myself with with my downtime professionally and personally you know there's there are times in which I wish I could you know, really dial it back a lot more. And that's definitely a challenge, personal challenge. I'm, I'm still working on, still a work in progress there. That is such an interesting example, Sabrina. Sheila, how, do, how does this resonate with you? Do you ever find that you need to manage your empathy strength, either to use it more or to use it a little less? Sometimes I do think I could use it more. Um, for example, as I said, I um, am taking care of my elderly mother, and I don't. I don't always get to the point where I can empathize, and 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 then later on, I think it through, and I'm like, oh well, if I would have felt empathy to that it, within that situation, any situation that I'm in with her, then I could have reacted much better, and she would have had a much better reaction to my reaction, and it wouldn't have been escalated into you know some conflict or argument but also the the flip side when i'm i'm using uh, my empathies just too strong is one one example came to my mind when my my girls were younger and they would be in school and they'd have all these social peer not conflicts but like you know oh my god this girl doesn't like me and then they would get all bent out of shape and i would really put myself into their shoes and get so bent out of shape myself that i'm not i wouldn't be helpful anymore because i i was also just feeling their anxiety and also feeling every little emotional wave uh, that they were going through. And I, I, I mean, not to that extreme, but I think sometimes still when, and they're grown, they're, they're young women in their twenties, I still uh, come on too strong, not, not because I'm a mother that also, but, but because of my empathy. So I, I like, I put myself into their shoes, uh, right. I jump into it and I'm, I'm in their shoes and I'm learning to listen more, but I also want to solve. And then that, so that's kind of counterproductive because they don't even want me to jump into their shoes that quickly and, and solve their problems that quickly. And then the other thing in my professional life that that is now, since we're virtual, is not that big of a deal. But when we still met in person and had meetings in person, I many times as I enter a meeting room, I already have I have a feel of where everyone's at kind of just from the vibes. And in this actually is written down for people who have strong empathy. Like you read the room very quickly. You're very sensitive to the emotional state of the person. Of course, obviously you usually know these people at least a little bit, but, but you take that on and it's, it's then hard to distance yourself really from that. I've realized that that is something that can be a little bit counterproductive. This has been so interesting and helpful, but before we take off, I wanted to know if we could go around the room and just share a tip for people who don't have empathy in their top five strengths. So Chilla, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Alexandra. Well, first of all, thank you for um, having me here. Um, I think, em so empathy is something that you can develop. 
right? And you can continuously work on and continuously develop. So um, finding ways to develop your empathy by reading books, watching YouTube videos. Uh, I know Brene Brown has a great little uh, a cartoon uh, discussing empathy. Um, there are so many ways you can develop, practice it with a friend, practice it, I don't know, you know, um, with <laughs> a, a day on a daily basis. And, and it's something you can, you can really uh, develop. So I just, uh, if, if you feel like you don't have this empathy is not a strength of yours, it's, it's something you can absolutely develop, develop further. That's uh, something important to work on to make the world a, a better place. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And Sabrina, what about you? Absolutely. I totally agree with what Sheila just just said. It is something you can evolve into and develop. I really like self-help books. There are a lot of them out there, but I really like workbooks. And whether you want to use a workbook to work on yourself or maybe get a relationship workbook to do with your partner. It doesn't have to be to solve any specific problem or address any particular issue. It can just be a way to bring yourself, bring each other close together. There are a lot of workbooks out there. Basically how they work is typically the, the author will come from a psychotherapy background and they have experience working with uh, patients or clients or couples and and uh, they will tend to start an exercise with an example from their practice of a couple who went through a conversation or scenario. And then you can then read about um, the exercise that uh, just, just kind of hones your communication skills and, and, and hones your ability to utilize active listening and empathy to to get closer to each other or to understand yourself better if you're, you know, doing self-help on your own. I mean, you don't necessarily need another person to become more empathetic. Truly just sitting down with a book, like Sheila just said, like do that and just write things out and gratitude lists. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of like a cliche thing to do to make yourself feel good. But I think gratitude lists, are a great form of practicing practicing empathy that a lot of people can can understand because when when you when you have gratitude you have to kind of look at your life in the context of other people's lives and in doing so you put yourself in another person's shoes and you say I am grateful for my home because there are people out there who don't have a home. So, you know, there are so many different ways that you can practice your empathy and become more empathetic over time. But the the wealth of material out there is just so much. So I I say just dive in and and it really is just about doing the work and, and taking the time to really explore it. Both of those things, reading books, creating lists, sitting down with yourself, 
those are all really actionable tips that our listeners can come away with. And you are actually not the first person on the podcast to talk about gratitude lists. I think someone in the positivity podcast, I can't remember which episode, but, but they have come up before. So they're not silly. They're actually really great. And Roy, I'd love to end with you. Um, could you share a tip with our audience today on how to amp up the empathy strength in their top five? Yeah. Um, so it's funny, the gratitude list, because I'm not the best at that, or I'll just say I'm, I'm bad at that. So, so my oh, advice, interesting. Yeah, okay, all my, right. I guess my advice here would be like, I'm aware of it and I have to do it, or I feel like I, I have to do it because I'm just mindful that I should be practicing this. Right. So, so I guess my advice goes something similar to that, wherein totally agree that, that this is something that, you know, it's, it's, it's learned, it's, it's built. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could be inherently born with it, but if, if you're mindful and in that, look, you're, you're not, you're not going to be remembering to do this all the time, but if you remember to try to do this, um, you know, peer, even periodically, I think, I think the muscle memory does start to build up and, and again, to, to what uh, Sabrina and, and Chilo were saying, it's, it is something that will um, grow and develop over time. It's, you know, I, I think, I think that's something that, that I, that's the type of advice I would give is trying to make a mindful effort for it and understanding it's like, Hey, we're, we're going to miss it a lot of the times. Like I miss my, my gratitude list really, really often. I'm, I'm supposed to look at this thing and I, and I miss it really often. So, but just remembering that you missed it helps. Thank you, Roy. Our guests today have been Sheila Chobot, Sabrina Simonton, and Roy Yu. Check out our show notes to learn more. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please do leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps get the word out there about the show. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week when we'll delve into a new strength. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Pivot Podcast. Join us next week for a brand new show and another exciting panel. We'll see you then.